beautiful day. Yeah, man. I was very grateful. We could not have picked a better day. If it would have rained, would you have canceled? <laughs> <laughs> nah. Because nah. I'm that guy. <laughs> Josh Morningstar. Yeah, guys, welcome to another episode of the the Travis Dufour Show. I am Travis Dufour, comedian, former professional wrestler. You name it, I've done it. Uh, but we're going to talk about somebody who's also kind of dipped his toes in a number of different businesses. Longtime friend of mine, Josh Morningstar. Welcome to the show. Man, thank you for having me. I'm glad that we can make this happen. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you. And I want to start this off, dude, because you just celebrated a birthday just a week ago. <laughs> yes, Happy sir. birthday. Thanks, man. Yeah, big 40. Four, 40? 40. Yes, okay. Sir. Yeah. I thought we were the same age. Uh, not if you're not 40. <laughs> I, uh, my birthday was two days ago. I'm 35 Congrats. now. Congrats. Happy birthday, Thank man. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, 40. Okay, so 30. When I turned 30, that really messed with me. What was 40 like? Man, I'm trying to get through it. Uh, they, say, <laughs> they say you're only as old as you feel, and if that's the case, I feel about 92. Uh, so, so far, so good, man. Knock on wood. But, uh, it. it 40, from what I hear, can mess with people in their heads. Like, oh my God, I'm halfway through my life, probably. And, uh, I try not to think about that stuff. And if yeah. I do think about it, I try to make those thoughts rhyme. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And dude, and one of the things about you is that you're following your passions. You're out there doing what you love to do. Uh, that helps, turning 40. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, uh, for quite a while now, I've, I've uh, spent my my time running around singing songs to people, man, and, you know, freedom, uh, oh, shit, what's that, freedom, they, uh, people say, moving's the closest thing to be and free, it's a Billy Joe Shaver lyric, and that's kind of, I feel, if, uh, if I keep moving, I'll stay free, and Hopefully not feel as old as I actually am. <laughs> so. Dude, how did you wind up doing what you love, man? It's, it was a long, long road for you. I've yeah. done a lot of research on you. Even man, being I your friend, it. I've still still looked you up, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've, I've always, like I came up in the church singing in the choir, and I got my first guitar, and I wrote my first song when I was nine. Nine years old. Yeah, yeah. it's called School, I Don't Like It. I don't I, like it. Yeah, I still remember it. It's It's ridiculous. But, uh, so it's it's something that I knew I always wanted to do. Um, then I started having kids early. And, What's early? Uh, 17. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's early. Yeah, 17. Sure. Uh, so I have a, a 21, about to be 22-year-old, a 19, about to be 20-year-old, and Jace here is 10, about to be 11. Yeah, we have your son in the studio yeah. today, yeah. Jace. I think it's the first podcast he's ever said in, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Nice, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I started having kids. And um, worked whatever job I could find, and I was miserable, and I have a lot of mental health issues. So uh, it's if I can avoid being miserable <laughs> in some aspect of my life, it's, <laughs> it's good for me. So I just decided to jump in, man, and I started playing any place that would have me. I've played furniture stores, I've played slaughterhouses, yeah. I've played grocery stores, I've played every. Anywhere, man. That's the good stuff. You done a Waffle House yet? Denny's parking lot? Maybe? You know, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't done a Waffle House. Okay. I may have done a Denny's. I can't remember. Really? I don't want to say for sure. Yeah, but it wasn't a parking lot. <laughs> uh, they moved it inside. Yeah, but I did get fired from the Waffle House because at one point in my life I had a really bad drug problem <laughs> and stole some money from them. Stole it out of the register? Out of the register, yes, wow. sir. 
Yeah. So, so uh, and uh, I know that the camera gang uh, game is uh, really up to date these oh, days. Yeah. What, uh, did they catch you on camera? Did somebody yeah. see you do it? Yeah, this would have been 2009, wow. 2008, 2009. It was one of those, you know... Uh, for for the first you know two thousand two to two thousand nine or ten, I I was on the road. I was singing anywhere that would have me, but I'd also work menial jobs here and you know whatever job I could find. Yeah. Uh, and are we talking? Was this like your peak? Would you say, or were 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 we not quite peaking at at the addiction? Or, or yeah, around in there. Yeah. yeah. Once you're stealing money. Yeah. Eight, nine, ten were the worst years for my addiction. So it was in that time, and I got a job. Waffle House lasted about a week and a half because I stole money from the register and they fired me. What so. was your job, dude? Were you just the Waiting cook? tables. Okay, Waiting okay. Tables, so you yeah. have access to the register. You're yes, not sir. the cook walking up to the register. With me, <laughs> no, <sir>. <laughs> wow. Very interesting. Yeah, so oh. I made a lot of bad choices and stupid decisions through my life, but I try to be very open and honest about them so that my kids don't make the same mistakes I did. No, for sure. If anybody's listened to the Travis Dufour show, I've talked about my dad a lot mm-hmm. on this podcast. And, uh, oh my God, drug addict, alcoholic, you name it. I've heard a little bit about your dad, mm-hmm. kind of the uh, the lineage there too, yes, family of, of alcoholics. I can totally relate to that. I'm sorry. That no, sucks. <laughs> that sucks. No, dude, that's the thing. Life is, I've had my own trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. And it's like, once you become an adult and you hit that age, you're like, you give some slack to yeah. your parents. Yes, sir. Once like, you start talking you about yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I understand. Uh, when I started having kids, I, I became a lot more forgiving yeah. towards my father and was able to understand that he was just doing what he was taught, you know? And... Uh, especially that era, the you know our parents, that generation, they weren't really. Mental health was something that wasn't really talked about no. in that generation. You sucked it up, and you were you were a man, and you dealt with your problems by drinking or fu- you know what I mean. However, yeah. you dealt with them is how you dealt with them, but chances are you didn't deal with them in a healthy way. And as I got older, and as I became a father, it became easier for me to understand why my father did the things that he did. And I was able to find some forgiveness because of that, you know. What's like, um, man? I could. I don't want to tell any stories about my dad. I saw my dad do some psychotic stuff. But, I'm sorry. Uh, that's do, sucks, do you have man. anything you feel comfortable talking about, like the the height of an addiction that you personally saw that was like, I I don't want to drink. I don't want to grow up and drink because of this. Yeah. See, my dad was never. He he. As far as I know, has never admitted that he has a problem with alcohol. He still drinks to this day. He's still alive. Okay. Yeah. Still goes to CNO and William or third base, whatever it's called now. Yeah. In Williamsport. Yeah. All the time, uh, but he's not as aggressive, I guess, or wild in his older. You know, he's in his. Let's see, he's sixty three or sixty four now. Uh, uh, that that's about the age. Yeah. Start chilling. Yep. So he's kind of he still drinks, but he's mellowed out on the. You know, beating the shit out of my mom. And that kind of, so you okay. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, we haven't had those issues that I can recall in a while. So that's good. You know? And so your relationship with him now, does he follow your career? Has he... He is, does. Is things good now? Man, so they never... Uh, and, and I don't want to just single him out. It was really my whole family. None sure. of them ever believed... None of them thought that what I was doing was worthwhile in any way until I started having songs recorded by other people wow. and started having success in that way. And at that point, that was like 15 years. There was 15 years where I was singing to 
nobody and, and you know no one really cared and but once I started having some you know measure of success quote unquote that's when okay maybe he's not wasting his life maybe he is doing something worthwhile you know yeah I know that you uh were celebrating very recently uh you got a platinum record yeah yes sir Dude, tell me about that million copies sold man just showed up on showed up out of nowhere one day must be the whiskey by cody jinx, jinx. yes sir yep i had no idea it was coming uh I figured at some point, if you look on Spotify, the song, just Jinx's version of it, has like 80 million streams or something like wow. that at this point. So I figured that the um, uh, the translation rate, I guess, I don't know what you call it, however many streams equals one record sale, quote unquote, I figured with 80 million, it had to be getting close. <laughs> so I, I, I had you know a suspicion that something like that might be coming, but it just showed up one day. I had been playing late the night before. It was like, uh, I don't know, nine o'clock in the morning, and I was asleep. And knock on the door, and holy shit, here's, or holy cow, here's a platinum record. <laughs> wow. wow. Cool, yeah. <laughs> so, like a FedEx delivery guy delivered yeah, it to you? Yeah. Wow. I kept Sign the box here. and everything. I got the box because the box that it was sent in, it has on the front of it um, RIAA, which is Recording Industry Association of America. To Josh Morningstar inside, you know, whatever it says. But I kept the box too. <laughs> so, dude, like for for young musicians who are who are kind of listening to this and like, okay, so this dude's in bars and stuff like that. But how does something like this happen? Like, how did you how did you meet Cody? Like, what what is that relationship like? <clears throat> so everything that I've been fortunate enough to do in my career has come from, in some way, shape, or form, has come from uh, touring. And playing live shows. That's how I've, uh, you know, established the majority of my relationships with people. Uh, for instance, Cody. Um, they came to Hagerstown in 2015 or 16 for a festival at the Hagerstown Fairgrounds. And uh, I was on the festival with him, and he stood at the side of the stage and listened to my entire set. And, um, Afterwards, he was like, here, man, take my number. We have to work together. And I was like, awesome, because at the time, he was blowing up. You know, he's selling out arenas now. Uh, but at the time, he was just kind of starting to take off. And uh, so I, I kind of got in, not going to say the ground floor, but like the first floor yeah. of, of his career. Cause, That's fair. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of success together. He's We've had uh, four Texas radio number ones in Texas. They have their own scene so to speak and there's texas radio there's texas radio charts like there it's its own thing so we've had four texas radio number ones together we've charted two songs on billboard together we had we've had number ones on itunes together he's at this point he's recorded uh 16 of my songs which is pretty much unheard of jesus man yeah what's the creative process like with somebody that you're you're writing the music mm -hmm. you probably have a tone, a feel for how the song's going to go. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, Cody is going to be the one putting his name on it. Mm -hmm. He's going to be the one singing it. What's, what, how do you do that? So, I've, <laughs> over, you know, it's been seven-ish years at this point. And before I ever met him, I was a fan of his music. So I had kind of an idea of um, what he liked. You know what I mean? His sound. And it's kind of like in a wrestling match, man. You... You, if you know what the other guy does, 
got to get his shit in, you know what I mean? Uh, kind of the same type thing. Like, I knew what he did. I, I know his sound, what he's going to like. So um, I'm able to kind of put myself in his shoes, so to speak. And uh, sometimes I'll write the songs myself. Like, for example, I wrote Must Be the Whiskey in my bathroom in Greencastle. Uh, sometimes I'll come up with like a first verse and a chorus and send it to him and he'll finish it up which is the case for this last song uh, we did it's called change the game it'll be the title of his next record so um, it's it's really different every time uh, but it's been a very fruitful relationship for the both of us it definitely sounds like it yeah man uh, so as far as like writing comedy I got notebooks I, got, I write notes on my phone how do you like to write music? Is it on an old school pen and paper? I do, yes sir. Really? It's either that or I don't write it down at all. Um, Ronnie Van Zant, the lead singer, Leonard Skinner, he never used a pen and paper to write his lyrics down. He said, if I can't remember them, it's not good enough. Wow! So I kind of subscribe to that. Sometimes, sometimes I will write them down. Uh, now in my phone, I have, in my notepad, I have just a list of things titles essentially or maybe a line just anything that catches my ear throughout the day I'll take down and um but yeah that's normally when I'm writing I'm pacing around and uh so I don't oh you're a pacer uh very much so me too yes, sir. my fiance gets sick of that shit oh man sit down you have no idea how hard <laughs> it is just to sit here because <laughs> when my brain starts working my body wants to move you know what I mean and uh, so yeah, I what do you got? ADD, ADHD. I got all of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I got all the letters, man. BPD, ADD, ADHD. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, but yep, I'm I'm very much a pacer. That's that's so dope, dude. So Shooter Jennings, what's uh? Tell me a little bit about Shooter Jennings. I've seen his name pop up a lot whenever you do your research on Josh Morningstar. What's he mean to you, and how has he influenced your music, man? Okay, so those of you who don't know, Shooter is Waylon Jennings' youngest son. Waylon is an icon of yeah. country music. And Shooter was the first person with a quote-unquote name, any type of name value, uh, to believe in me. In 2014 and 15, I spent the majority of those years on the road with Shooter and uh, Waylon's old band. Waylon died in 2003, and in like 2010 or 11 the members of his band decided that they were going to continue on. They got a, a singer that had worked with Waylon on records and stuff to fill in for Waylon. And they started touring as Waymore's Outlaws. Well, then in about 2014, somewhere around in there, 13, 14, uh, Shooter and Waymore's Outlaws started touring together. So you had Waylon's band with Waylon's son. And that was a really cool concept. And oh, for, yeah. yeah for That's going to sell some tickets. Yeah, exactly. So for some reason, uh, they decided... That they wanted me to open a bunch of shows for them, so they took me on the road with them. God bless them. Is, know, is this man. like giving back? Is that how they I look guess. at it? I don't Shooter, man, Shooter is one of the kindest, most giving people that I've ever met. And I think it's because Waylon was his dad. He never wanted for anything, you know? And normally when you have, you know, a quote-unquote famous father, you're going to go one of two ways. You're going to go like the Hank Williams Jr. route and be a cocky prick or yes. you're going to go the shooter route and just be this amazing person yeah. who cares and is kind. And, I, and I've been very blessed, man, that he uh, has believed in me still to this day. Like, I got a bunch of messages over the weekend 
apparently he's been playing one of my songs on his uh, serious radio show a okay. lot. And I guess he just said that someone's going to cut the song that he's been playing. Someone's going to record the song that he's been playing. He didn't say who, so I have no idea who it's going to be. But he works with everybody, man. So I'm pretty excited about that. that. Yeah. That's super dope to be yeah. uh, in touch with people like that. Um, I was telling my brother that you're going to be on the show today. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, Jerry Lee. He was like, I love that song. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude, and I was listening to you talk about Jerry Lee a little bit before you would play the song on one of the videos I was watching, and apparently, like, this dude was a madman. Yes, sir. What, can can you sum up Jerry Lee for people who, who don't know who Jerry Lee is? Sure. Well, everybody, well, I'm not going to say everybody, but just a brief overview of Jerry Lee. In the 19, he's considered one of the pioneers of rock and roll. A whole lot of shaking going on. Goodness gracious, great balls of oh, fire. Yeah. All that. That's all Jerry Lee. Yeah, the reason why Ric Flair says woo. Exactly, Jerry song. Lee, yes sir. Wow. Yep, you're exactly right. Um, so he's a pioneer of rock and roll. He's also, he put out country records that are just universally loved. Great musician, right? Flip side of that coin, he was a wild man. He had a horrible uh, speed problem. He would inject speed right into his stomach. Uh, he was a I, th- I, I thought you were talking about he had a lead foot. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> like, no, no, amphetamine, methamphetamine. Wow, yeah, he was, dude. he was a speed freak. and Mysterious deaths, something about that? Yep, so he was married seven times. His okay. most famous marriage was in the late 50s to his 13-year-old cousin. That's his most famous, most famous marriage. Now, when he married that first, or excuse me, when he married that 13-year-old cousin, she was his third wife. He was also, at the time, still married to wife's num- wives number one and two. Both of them. At the same time, yeah. Wow. So he marries his 13-year-old cousin, excuse me, loses his career, uh, builds it back up, ends up having seven wives. Well, there's evidence to support the theory that he probably killed his fourth and fifth wives. Uh, one of them was found, if, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a couple years since I did the research and wrote the song, but if I'm not mistaken... Uh, Wife number four was found face down in a pool. Wife number five was found in the guest bedroom, laying on top of a made bed, beat up, cuts and bruises all over her, Jerry Lee's skin under her fingernails, all kinds of, just, all this evidence to, that points to him having killed her. But where he lived was, uh, okay, so here's Memphis, right? Memphis sits right on the Mississippi River on the west side of Tennessee. Here's Memphis, here's the Mississippi River, here's Arkansas. South of Memphis, the Mississippi River kind of wraps like that. Down here's Mississippi, DeSoto County, Mississippi. Well, that's where he lived, DeSoto County, Mississippi, in this small town with a good old boy cop network that you find in the South, you know, that take care of. So they never charged him, they never did anything. Holy cow. He lived out the rest of his life, nobody ever kind of, you know, pointing any fingers at him or anything. Well, I heard this podcast called Disgraceland, and uh, it was about the deaths of these women. And I was like, oh, hmm, well, that's interesting. So we, me and my friend Jada ended up writing that song uh, just as a more of a, can you believe this wild man? You know yeah. what I mean? This nutcase got away with this stuff for so long. And, and are you a true crime guy to begin oh, yeah, with? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I love it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then as an aside... Last year or the year before, I don't remember when, Jerry Lee was still alive. I was playing this town in Ohio called Circleville, Ohio. 
And uh, there's a guy named Jason D. Williams. He's a piano player, right? Looks exactly like Jerry Lee. He's Jerry Lee's son. Jerry Lee claimed throughout his life, sometimes would claim him, other times would deny him. Mm. But you watch this guy play the piano, you look at this guy, there's no question that this guy is Jerry Lee's son, right? So I was playing Circleville, Ohio, and uh, in walks Jason Williams. And uh, I knew who he was because, you know, I know my Jerry Lee stuff from having written that song. I did a bunch of research at the time. Uh, So in walks Jason D., and I'm like, oh, okay, well, i got to play this song now. So I played Jerry Lee. <laughs> yes. I played Jerry Lee when I came off stage. He was like, son, that's an incredible song. I sell T-shirts that say Hillbilly Insanity on them, which is a line from the song. He bought three T-shirts. Uh, he recorded a little snippet of it and sent it to his dad. I never heard anything about it. I don't know if Jerry Lee ever watched it or if he did what his thoughts on the song where I can't imagine he'd be too happy. That's about phenomenal. It, that's almost yeah. sur- like that's surreal. Yeah. In a way, man, it's like I want to know how he feels. About I would have loved to. He's gone now. You know, he died however many months ago. I don't think it's been quite a year. Maybe it's been a year now, but I never heard anything about his thoughts on the song. And I, w- I would have really liked to. Uh, speaking of deaths, Merle Haggard. Yes, sir. Uh, it was about a week before he passed, and I saw him play at uh, the Charlestown wow. Racetrack. That's yeah. pretty awesome. I was a security officer, and I told uh, my manager, I was like, please let me do that show. Yeah. Because hey. I think a lot of people were even saying that Merle Haggard was kind of on his last leg. Mm-hmm. So, um, Man, that's awesome. Did you ever meet Merle? Never. Okay. Never. Would have loved to. He's uh, When you look at the whole picture, right? Longevity, record sales, songwriting, singing ability, uh, you know, having quote-unquote lived the life, the case can definitely be made that Merle Haggard was the greatest country singer of all time. Is that what you're saying? Do you think he's the GOAT? It's hard to Not think. many people would dispute you, dude. Yeah, it's hard to, I mean, George Jones maybe. Sure. You know, uh... Aside from that, just Hank Williams, just because. But Hank Williams, his career, his national career, was only three and a half years. Now, in those three and a half years, he had 46 songs to chart it on the Billboard charts. He had like 19 number ones or something like that. But Hank was right before rock and roll. Hank was right before Elvis. Hank died New Year's Day, 1953. Elvis's uh, That's Alright Mama came out sometime in 54 or 55 so Hank never had to contend with rock and roll because rock and roll pretty much killed the country music business when it came out Uh, so you can't say if Hank would have survived rock and roll and if he if he wouldn't have would he still be looked at the way that he's looked at today by a bunch of people now I mean Hank Williams is one of my most favorite songwriters, one of my most favorite artists, period. I've spent, I mean, he's tattooed on my arm, for Christ's sake. Yeah. I've spent a lot, of, a lot of time researching his life and music. He's one of my most favorites, but again, his career was only three and a half years long on a national level. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty unreal. Yeah. His, his uh, Move It On Over was his first single that was released nationally, and that came out in 1949, like May of 49, something like that. You ever ran into Hank the Third? 
yes, I've played quite a few shows with Hank Three. Man, I loved him on the Wild and Wonderful Whites <laughs> of West Virginia. <laughs> yes, sir. And Jesco. Oh, yeah. Man. Have you met Jesco? Oh, buddy. Do I know Jesco. So if you go to YouTube, right, and you type in, um, let's see. If you go to YouTube and you type in Josh Morningstar, Jesco Gone Wild. Stop. This I've, is a thing? Oh, yeah. Right there. So I've played many shows with Jesco White. And when you agree to shows with Jesco White, you have to agree to let him come out whenever he feels like in the middle of your set and just do his Jesco thing. So I did. <laughs> Jesco's a sweetheart of a guy. I, I, don't, I can't say anything bad about him. But, again, he's a, well, just like Jerry Lee, he's a wild man. Yeah. Uh, so He tries to capture the lightning in a bottle every time he, he comes does. on the stage. Yes, sir, he does. And sometimes he can, and sometimes he fails miserably. I think that's why the people just love Jesco. He's so yep. real. Yes, sir. He sure is, man. He sure is. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. I hope he's all right. Yeah, no, that's what I was wondering, too, because um, I had, uh, from the Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia, I had uh, Susan, not Susan. It was the chick who lost her baby. Uh, uh, Kirk. To CPS. Or yeah. Sue Kirk. Yes, Kirk. Sue Kirk. Yeah. Yep. I had her write me a, uh, or film me a personalized message That's awesome. for Travis Dufour to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. That's awesome. And she did it, and she was more than happy to do it. And just through my brief interactions with her, I'm like, that's another case where there's a lot of wild people calming yes, down later in life. Yes, sir. Her. She's crying. <laughs> her. She lost her baby. Yeah, you guys got any fajitas? <laughs> fuck is happening right y'all got mozzarella sticks <laughs> yeah. taco bell and yeah. taco bell god what a yeah that movie was a staple in yeah, my house man. let's talk pre-show rituals man before okay. i hit the stage with comedy or a wrestling match i uh, typically i'm not eating uh, Same. about two three hours before yep what if you do have something to eat is it a heavy meal like what's what's some pre-show rituals man so uh my pre-show rituals are, are pretty much all the same um when I'll, I'll, uh, I'll listen to the first song or two from the opener, and then I'll go for a walk. And on that... Your buds in? No. Okay. No. Uh, I just walk around whatever town I'm in, um, smoke a joint, smoke cigarettes, uh, just kind of Take think. in the town. Take in the town. Yes, okay. sir. And I find that that uh, kind of clears my head and just kind of helps me because... I'm I'm comfortable performing, but there's always, you know, when you first get on stage, there's always butterflies for a couple minutes. So I find that if I'm able to kind of center myself before I go on stage and just kind of relax, it helps with it helps kind of ease into the show. But I never eat. I can't eat before a show. Do you think that you're kind of like a social butterfly after you get done the performance? No, sir. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I'm very socially awkward. Uh, I'm shy and quiet by nature. Um, so after the show, I always go out and greet people and take pictures and do that thing, but it's not something that I'm ever comfortable with. You know what I mean? I, I just, I'm very shy. Dude, it sounds like you've been fighting that, man. Cause mm -hmm. like you're at Waffle House with a job talking to people. <laughs> when I met yep. you, you're selling cell phones. You yep. have to talk to people. Yep. And now here you are sing like, how is it to sing with all this Kind of like, I don't want to call it anxiety, but I guess that's essentially yeah, what it is. It is. Uh, I'm, so I don't consider myself to be a singer or a guitar player. I consider myself to be a songwriter. So I'm 
uh, always, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm always kind of um, hesitant about my singing anyway. Like, okay. I, I'm not a fan of my own voice. Like, I don't really listen to my recordings ever um, because I just don't consider myself to be a singer. I've been around too many people that I consider to be singers to ever call myself a singer. I'm a songwriter, and I can sing. I do what I do, you know what I mean? But I'm never really comfortable just, hey, listen to me sing, you know what well, I mean? With that being said, do you film your set? Uh, no, sometimes I record it. Okay. Um, but... Very rarely, if ever, will I, uh, will I like film it and, and watch video of it. Your social media looks pretty clean. You got mm -hmm. a team and all that, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. That's yeah. cool. But I, social media specifically, I tend to do by myself just because I have a, um, a, a voice, a way of saying things. You know what I mean? And I just don't trust other <laughs> unless <laughs> unless it's like advertising a show or something. I just don't trust other people. Yeah, whenever it's out. your brand, your face is on the line, it makes things different. Yes, sir. You've been in the music business a long time, but something that a lot of people might not know about Josh Morningstar is that you were involved in the professional wrestling business for a number of years, and that's how mm -hmm. I know you. Yes, sir. I was talking to, to a friend of mine, told him that Josh is coming onto the show, and he said, yeah, Rip Swole. I yeah. remember him. That's it. Yes, so sir. that was your first name in wrestling, <laughs> Rip Swole? Yes, sir. Where did you get that from? Uh, I forget who came up with it, man, but... Obviously, I'm a, a very skinny guy, and my gimmick was the best body in professional wrestling, just nice. kind of a, a delusional kind of heel character. And it was a lot of fun, man. Like, I've been around wrestling for a very, very long time. I went to, in uh, 1987, I went to the Capitol Center, and I saw Randy Savage versus Tito Santana, and the main event was... Hulk Hogan and Bam Bam Bigelow versus Andre the Giant, Big Do Big John Stud. That oh, was the man. main event, and I still kind of have like fleeting memories of that. I can't tell you, you know, everything, but I can tell you, I, I still see it in my head, you know. So I've been a wrestling fan my whole life, and then when I was in the uh, sixth grade is when, like by that point, Dick had promoted Dick Karakoff, that promoter of the NWL, had done like the Guam tour and all that kind of stuff. So he brought it back and started running monthly in uh, Boonesboro. Okay. It was yeah. called the Bullpen Arena at the time. Uh, it was Stingers the last time I knew what it was called. I don't know what it's called now. Uh, but the first NWL show that I went to, the main event was Samu versus Mr. Hughes. And it was December 3rd, 1994. Don't ask me how I remember that, but I do. <laughs> and the next month was Samu versus Johnny Polo which was yeah. Raven. Oh, know, yeah. Before he was Raven. And then in 1996, I guess, my buddy Tommy Ecton, Professor Egon Ecton, was his gimmick name. I know his son. Yeah, yeah. started going to, started training at the school. Uh, the, what would become the House of Pain was Neil Superior's School of Professional Wrestling. At so the whenever time. you went there, Shane Shadows was at the helm. Was the he? first time I went, Neil was still there. Okay. Yeah, the very first time I went, Neil was still there. And then uh, Neil died in August of 96, and Shane took over. And then Shane was there for a couple months, and then Rambo came. And I was at the very first House of Pain show. It was April 20th, 1997. The main event was Rambo versus Slicky Boy. Was there 
pretty much, you know, I spent a great deal of time as a teenager at the House of Pain. And uh, I just, I've, I've always loved pro wrestling, always. And you're talking about that little hole-in-the-wall House of Pain in Hagerstown. Yes, sir. Uh, and that's, uh, were they it's doing gone. the free shows? It's gone, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's gone. There's a Dollar General there now, yeah. you know. It's gone, man. That was, that's sad. I drove, I, I had no idea they were tearing it down and just drove by one day and it was gone. I was like, what the hell happened? See, this is why, this is cool, man, because there's some people that you talk to about the House of Pain and they have nothing nice to say. Mm-hmm. But if you talk to like a Jake Davis or now a you, mm-hmm. like you seem like you have some fond memories of the I place. Do, it, man. it either it went one of two ways for if you walk through those doors at the house of pain, it's either you did, you lived your dream, mm-hmm. or it, it was a terrible experience. But you're saying that it was it was good. Man, it, it was such a, a such Did John a, always treat you fair? John and I got along until I started working and then I left. Okay. Um, and I think He's partly to blame, and I think I'm partly to blame. I think both of us are kind of to blame. Yeah. Um, but when I was a kid, it, it meant so much to me, man. I, I looked forward to Tuesday nights, you know, every single week. Ecton would pick me up. We'd get down there about 5, 5.15. Yeah, who um, who's your running mates in the back? Ecton, who else would you hang out with at these shows? Uh, so at the time, I'm 14 years old. 14? So I was the ring boy. I would carry, you know, I was the ring boy. You're just trying to stay out of the way. Yes, sir. Yep. And, uh, man, so uh, Jeremy Sumter, Big E Sleaze, was okay. a dear friend of mine. Uh, he, if I'm not mistaken, he was the first house pain champion. Uh, he killed himself October 26th of 97. Was he the one in the parking lot? Somebody did it in the parking lot. No, no, he did it no. at his house. Wow. Uh, so his he had a couple gimmicks. He did kind of a uh, well, kind of a starlight gaze gimmick. Oh. Uh, he was a very flamboyant. At one point, yeah. Very gray borders. S- is this man gay? So there was Kurt <laughs> Kaiser and Carl Kaiser. Okay. He was Carl, I think, and then he got real into the insane clown posse and did a clown gimmick <laughs> called Biggie Sleeves. Dude, there was so many people during yes, that sir. period. Yes, sir. Oh my. So um, you a juggalo man? I was. Yes, sir. Okay. I was. Um, I think that that's something a lot of people our age went through. That was a, dude, know? that was a community, man. Yeah. Yes, sir. It was. If, you know, if you had like a hard home life, more than likely you'd become a juggler. Yes, sir. Yes. And I was, man. So I saw the insane clown posse at the 180 club in Hagerstown. There is, so you know where the, um, the new courthouse is in Hagerstown? I'm actually not from Hagerstown. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, well, right across from where the district court in Hagerstown is now, uh, there's a sign that says Eagles Club. Well, the Eagles Club used to be a, a all-ages music venue called uh, the 180 Club. And it was mainly like hardcore bands, you know, that kind of thing, punk rock bands. But in it was, it was like a month or two before The Great Malenko came out. Nice. Uh, ICP came, and I was there. I was 13, 14 years old. Saw them at the... At, all uh, about it. All about it. Dude. Nice. All it took. I got that Fago on me and saw the... Yeah. I was in. There was nobody <laughs> was just in. a little into yeah. ICP. Yeah. So you were all in. <laughs> yeah. I was all in, buddy. And uh, so at 14, were you uh, smoking marijuana and stuff like that at that yes, time? Yes, Okay, yep. so you're, you're probably partying at these shows. Yes, sir. It's a good time. Yep, but never around wrestling. Because okay. Ecton didn't do... 
anything. Didn't smoke pot, didn't drink, didn't do Dude, anything. Dude, and we're talking about some outlaw days right here. You yes, could sir. find anything in that locker room. Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, but Ekman never did any of that stuff, so I never did any of it around him. Uh, it's funny, we're talking about this, and so many things are coming back. I saw the show the night before the curtain call. The night before the curtain call, they were in Baltimore at the arena. Same card, Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash in a cage, uh, Triple H and Razor Ramon in the semi. I remember the new rockers, uh, Al Snow. Yeah, Leaf and Cassidy Marty and Marty Jannetty. Yeah. I think it was the Smoking Guns, but it was the, I remember the date for that too, man. Good period of wrestling. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's so wild to sit and think about all this now. Oh, yeah. Um, now that I'm, like, uh, out of the wrestling business, well, not really. I, I'm still a commentator for a local group. But uh, it, didn't, it didn't seem like your passion was in the ring. Like, that's where my passion was. So once I wasn't able to perform in the ring anymore, I, that's why I'm in comedy. That's, uh, my passion is changing. Pro wrestling is kind of getting left in the past. Um, but... Just judging off of like your feed and stuff like that, you went to the Hall of Fame just a couple years ago just to like check out the Hall of Fame and yes, stuff. Sir. So, dude, you're you're still a wrestling guy. Oh yeah, man. Well, uh, Gallows, Luke Gallows is yeah. one of my best friends. I was just down at his house hanging out uh, like two weeks ago. Nice. Three weeks ago. He's uh Georgia. Yeah, Jackson, okay. Georgia. Nice. And uh, man, it got to the point where I'm not built for it. Like physically, I'm not built for it, and I felt every bump. Uh, everything you know what I mean and I just I didn't see the future in it for me were you an athletic guy before no okay (laughs) no sir never you didn't play any sports growing up nothing like that so I played baseball up until I was 12 yeah I played baseball until I was 12 how physical is that yeah (laughs) and then I did uh, high school wrestling my ninth and 10th grade year how was that Brutal. I had a horrible record. I won one match. In did you throw years. up in training and shit? Oh yeah, I yeah. did all that. Yes. Sir. God, they really abuse those kids, yes, dude. Yes, sir. <laughs> yep. And I just uh, it it the physical side of the business, which is pretty much the whole business. I just knew I wasn't any good at. Um, so you were a talker, though, man. Yeah, I, I enjoyed talking. I enjoyed. Talking. That's ninety percent of the business. It is, yes, sir. Yep. But man, I watch shows now and. Just like especially an AEW show, like I couldn't do any of that shit. I'd be lost. I'd so be totally it's it's something lost. to admire. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes, okay. sir. Yep. And I've uh, I'm I'm normally on the road, so I don't get to watch a lot of it. I uh, I'll you know see Gallo's stuff on YouTube. Aside from that, I pretty much just keep up with it through reading about it. For the wrestling audience, who's yeah. your all time favorite man? If you have to do a Mount Rushmore, we can do that. Okay. Um, well, I was a huge Hulkamaniac as a kid. Okay. So I mean, you got to give him his flowers. Yep, you do, yeah. man. You do. Um, and then the Attitude Era. I was a rock fan. You were a rock guy during the Fuck. Attitude Era. Yeah. I was a Stone Cold guy. Well, see, my best friend Petey was a Stone Cold. Oh guy. yeah, yeah. My my brother was a rock guy. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was rock kind of by default. Okay. And then, um, as I grew up, uh, you know, Gallows is is one of my dear friends. I also got to be really good friends actually through shooter with uh joe hennig curtis axel wow yeah so joe and i talk occasionally still um but as far as like a mount rushmore goes probably hogan flair sean and throw a curveball man honky-tonk yeah. man i love the honky-tonk no, man, man. <laughs> i love the honky-tonk man just to listen to him you know yeah yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't need to watch him wrestle i just want to listen to him no, that dude was a showman yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah, that last 
spot? I, I can't say. I don't know. But definitely Hogan Flair and Shawn Michaels. I really enjoyed Shawn Michaels in the mid-90s. And uh, as far as babyface and heel, because you, you were a heel whenever you were doing your thing. You're, uh, I think I saw a promo you did for uh, the IPE, Indie Pro Entertainment. You're talking on the cell phone with your dad, and you're just going ham. Like, this is unacceptable. You know, the funny thing about that is uh, I don't come from money in any way, shape, yeah. or form. That whole league was set up, you know, the angle to set up the league was my quote-unquote father had all this money that he wanted to invest into an independent wrestling league, which wasn't the truth. The whole thing was financed by me and OGB and Dexter Alexander. Wow. Uh, so Derek Huffman didn't come in until later. Well, he huh? bought the ring. Okay. He okay. bought the ring. Uh, but that was about, and obviously helped with like the booking and stuff. But uh, as far as like booking, paying for the bill, you know, just that kind of stuff was uh, myself, Nick, and Dexter. What and, made you want to become a promoter, dude? Boredom. I think. Okay, because <laughs> yeah. that intimidates a lot of people in the business because yeah. they're like, oh, I don't want everybody to fucking hate me. Yeah, just just something to do at the time, man. Nick, okay. OGB, and I played in bands together since I was 18 and uh, just decided, you know, we'd, everybody had kind of fallen out with, with Rambo by that point, so we just decided to do that. But uh, what's funny about it is... Uh, so the angle to start the whole thing was that my dad had all this money and wanted to invest in a professional wrestling league. Well, Rambo thought that my dad actually had money <laughs> and Jesus. was invested. That was a whole thing. It with, was a whole thing, with, yeah. With, with Johnny. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, he. Uh, that's one of the things that he'll be known for, man. If there was a local company, oh, you yeah. were on the shit list. Yes, sir. Yeah. I heard he's not in the best health. I hope he's all. Yeah, I saw him uh, just a couple months ago. I think he had a big charity event. Cool. Uh, trying to rally up some money. He's not in Hagerstown anymore, right? He's gone. No, nah, he's back home in Bethlehem. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, who says you can't go home? That's right. <laughs> That's right. At the end of all this, dude, where where do you want to retire to, man? Where's what's what's going to be home for you at the end? Have you thought uh, about stuff like that? I have. Just um, for fun. Yeah, I have. I, I really like the desert. The uh, desert. Yeah, I like Arizona. Better you than me, dude. Man. I'm not fucking buying all that sunblock. <laughs> yeah. See, I'd rather be hot than cold. Okay. So it's probably either going to be like Texas. You don't meet many people like that. Yeah, man. I, I hate the cold. I hate it. How do you sleep, man? With a window open? With a fan running? No, sir. No? No. No. See, it'll probably be Texas, man. I, I Texas. love Texas a lot. Um, so... When he's, you know, when all the kids are grown and have their own families and don't care about the old man anymore, they'll probably go to Texas. They can fly in and visit me when they want to. So uh, your your ties with Texas runs pretty deep. I mean, 2018 Texas Radio Songwriter of the Year. You've, you've got some history in Texas now, so it makes sense you'd want to stay there. Which is funny, man, because I'm a Yankee, and you don't think Texans, <laughs> you know, care much for Yankees, but... Uh, everyone down there, I've spent so much time down there, and everyone's just, everyone's so polite, and life is just, like, it's just slower, you know what I mean? Really? You get Yeah, you get on the East Coast, there's traffic everywhere, for the most part, uh, you know, people are rude. Yeah. And, uh... It, that goes a long way with me, too. Yeah. I I visited, um... I think it was Milwaukee, mm -hmm. and that was the first place in my life where not just one or two, but every person that I walked by was like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Good morning. I'm like, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. 
So it'll definitely. Well, even if it's not Texas, it'll definitely be the South somewhere. So, Very dope, man. Yeah. Um, I know I used to travel to Georgia for a job of mine, and down in Atlanta, Georgia, and Atlanta was always so dope to me. Mm-hmm. What's a favorite city that like that you like to play to? Something that is coming up, and you're like, ah, oh, I can't wait to be back in that town. Man, I love the Carolinas. Okay. Uh, Charlotte's always been a very good market for me. Um, there's a lot of little Georgia towns that have like these little singer-songwriter listening rooms where people come to listen. They're not there to get drunk and, and sing along, try to go home with somebody. They're there to listen to the music. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of little towns like that. You're I, a small-town guy. I mean, being yeah. from Funkstown, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. I'd rather play the small towns around the city than go to the city you know so what so uh if you do like a big theater stuff like that is that a different kind of anxiety for you man that's where i feel most at home really good i uh i my music is a it's an acquired taste definitely you you have to um listen to what i'm saying I feel if you're going to dig what it is I do, because I don't have a voice that's going to, you know, knock your socks off. I'm not going to wow you with technical guitar playing. I do what I do. And what I feel my strong, my strong suit is are the lyrics. So I've found that people that are into artists like, um, John Prime, Chris Christopherson, Towns fans, and those kind of artists, Guy Clark, they're the, they're the the fan group that digs what I do. So you get, and I don't travel with a band. I travel just myself and sometimes my tour manager, Cass. Um, so when I go on stage, essentially I'm a folk singer, man. It's just me and my guitar. And theaters, you know, theaters have seats, so people sit down. When they're sitting down, they're less likely to get rowdy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're more likely to pay attention what it is I'm doing. So I feel I thrive in those, you know, small theater. So there's a psychology behind each each venue. I oh, think yeah. that's so dope. Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. Just like comedy, man. You wouldn't want to walk into a packed loud bar, cut the jukebox and try to stand up there and tell jokes. You know, it's not the environment. I feel that. like that's all I do. Oh, yeah, man. it's tough. <laughs> yeah. I gotta do that tonight. Oh man. Uh dude let let's talk tattoos, man. How okay. many tattoos do you have? I'd say I don't probably around twenty. Twenty, yeah. Twenty's a good number. Yeah. yeah. You gonna keep going? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe. I, none of my tattoos have really been planned. Um, what was it like the first time a, a, a fan of yours got like your logo or something like that? Dude, that's, that's crazy. Wild. Yeah, I was I was speechless. I didn't know what, to, and I still don't. It still happens to this day. There's a bunch of people walking around with some type of Josh Morningstar tattoo, whether it's a logo or my signature, which is crazy, or like lyrics to one of my songs. It's so wild. And that logo, dude, that's a, um, what is that, a crow? Yeah. Okay, so what's your what's the significance of that? Is there a story behind that? So it comes from one of my songs called Damn These Birds. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> damn These Birds. Yeah, Damn These Birds. Oh, yeah. But uh, that song uses um, different types of birds as kind of, a metaphor for drug dealers. And okay. there's a line in that song, uh, broken old crows on a fence post leaning because we split a fifth of cough syrup codeine between us. Wow. And, it, and when intravenous with a little demo. Anyway, so that's where that comes from. Uh, yeah, man, it's wild just to think that you created this, a piece of art that affected someone 
enough for them to want to put it on their body forever. Yeah, that's that's wild. People uh, people underestimate tattoos. Whenever I say that, I mean me. Let me show you my first tattoo. It's just the number four on my arm here. What's the significance of that? I said that's how I can count. So oh. I just like to remind myself <laughs> how dumb I am. <laughs> now, my last name's Do Four. I, I didn't want to get yeah. Do Four. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite tattoo. Uh, this is also Hijinks, Derek Huffman. This is his yeah. favorite tattoo. Okay. This one. Dig it. I love it. Dig it. Yep. Love it. 19 years old, trashed at a party. Did my you buddies. Do it? No, okay. no, I'm a puss, man. Gotcha. Uh, my, uh, I actually had to, I had to take like 17 breaks. Really? Because it hurt so bad. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Most of mine were done in similar scenarios, um, in like a trailer or a barn. Yeah. Or <laughs> I've only had like three or four tattoos done in an actual shop. All the rest of them were, hey, I got this tattoo gun. You know. It sounds like <laughs> you're from around here. Yes, sir. Yeah. I sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we can catch Josh Morningstar. Uh, it looks like you got a Friday, June 2nd coming up at, what is that? Padu- Paducah? Yeah, we're in Paducah, Kentucky. I pronounce that right? Yeah, nice. Yes, sir. Western Kentucky. At a private event. So you, you can't, you can't sell tickets to that one. I guess not. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Hey, yeah. we'll plug the Saturday, June 3rd, dude. You're in Danville, Kentucky for the Nook. Have you ever yes, been there before? I haven't. This will be my first time. Dope. What's yeah. that like? First time venue? Do you like that? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I, I like doing comedy at places I haven't done before. I don't know yeah. if it's the same. It's nice to try to win over a crowd, you know. Yeah. So uh, that place in particular, I've heard, is really kind to songwriters. So I'm excited for that reason. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Please check him out there. And then Thursday, June 8th, I got Columbus, Ohio, Woodlands Tavern. You ever mm-hmm. been there? I have several times. It's always a great time. I like Ohio. I've spent a lot of time in Ohio over the last 10 years, man. And uh, Columbus is always a lot of fun. Very nice. Well, Josh, I want to, I want to thank you so much for Brother, being... Thank you, man. Yeah, dude. This was so much fun. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I appreciate you. And uh, guys, you can look up Josh Morningstar. Uh, follow his YouTube. Uh, follow him on Facebook. You, you, you name it. Follow him. And you can follow me at the Dufour Brand. Any closing statements, dude? Uh, man, listen to the Dufour Brand. Go watch his comedy if he's anywhere near you. And... Uh, Here's to health and happiness. Thank you, brother. Fuck yeah.